For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. guys welcome back to a very special holiday episode uh holiday mailbag episode so consider mm-hmm. this like santa's big ass rug bag or whatever maybe yeah. your santa has a hound's tooth bag or argyle <laughs> or whatever the fuck christmas holiday time so we're gonna get into some of your letters here mm-hmm. this evening and you've also got a special gift for you um Got a, an interview yes. with a very interesting, very talented and attractive person mm-hmm. that we will get to later on in the show. It smells very good. So, um, yeah, let's get started. Let's get started. Yes. Do you want to go first? I will go first. Um, so, yeah, this is a mailbag episode for those of you who aren't familiar. It's where we just go in here and try to clear out the inbox a little bit. This first question comes from Jennifer, who says... My question is, how do you become comfortable in being you? I am very confident in every aspect of my life. It isn't until people ask me where I'm from that I begin to use, sorry, that I begin to lose that self-confidence. I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood 40 minutes outside of Chicago. My mother grew up on the south side of the city, so my my home church is out there, as is her side of the family. To me, I didn't see a difference in claiming my neighborhood versus the city since I was there all the time. But after coming to college, I realized there is a stark difference. I tell people I'm from Chicago, but if the person asking me where I'm from is from inner city Chicago, they are quick to tell me that I am not really from Chicago. I say it because I've been so much because I've spent so much of my life in the city that it is my home. It's just because my zip code doesn't begin with those same numbers that I'm deemed as welcome in the city club. When I tell people my hometown, they say I'm just one of those people who go into the city for day trips and only appreciate it for its Instagram qualities. Girl, They don't know that my history lives in that city. It's an instant shot to my confidence to say where I'm truly from. As soon as I do, people see me as whitewashed, privileged black person. I should be grateful as both of my parents, as both of my parents grew up as inner city kids, but sometimes I can't help but wish that they could have raised me closer to the city. There is no changing where I grew up, but how do I become more okay with my hometown? I feel like when people hear where I'm from, they've already made up their mind about me and that they shut me out and don't want to get to know me because, quote, they already do. I just want to be accepted, but I can't change the reputation of my hometown. Love you guys, Jennifer. I started with this because this is so cute. Like, Jennifer, this is adorable. What people think about you based on where you were born or raised or what have you, ain't got nothing to do with you. I understand that that is, you know, there is this maybe desire to have people understand that they are misunderstanding you mm-hmm. or not giving you a chance. But for the fuck what? Like, anybody with sense 
would know that you can't just assume this list of things about a person based on the zip code that they grew right. up in. And that's, that's just a stupid thing to do. Do people do it constantly? Yes. Like all of the time. Some niggas used to tell me that I'm not from really from Miami because I grew up in South Miami and not North Miami. Like what? That is so sure. fucking dumb. Bitch. Whatever you say. Like that doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> and it never really agitated me because it's like, first of all, what is that supposed to mean? You yeah. know, like you, you ain't really from Miami. Okay, I guess I'm not going to get a job. Like, what is that supposed to... (laughs) What the fuck is that even supposed to matter to me? Bitch, I know where the fuck I'm from, and it's not that deep. You know, I love my city, and I really learned to appreciate my city when I moved away from it. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel like where I'm from is in an entire reflection of who I am. There's a lot of Miami in me and a lot of like mm-hmm. of where I'm from has to do with, you know, my insight on things or whatever and the way I view certain things, but I'm not going to get, you know, bent out of shape because somebody right. is making, you know, this immediate ridiculous ignorant judgment on me based on where I'm from. It's just not something that you need to be worried about. It's not worth it right because i'm i'm assuming it's like a oh well you from the suburbs so you're not a real nigga you know you're not like the rest of us or whatever else and you could go around explaining well my parents are both from the city and my church is out there and my mama host like you could go around and give niggas your resume or you could just be you and Mm -hmm. if they don't like it then they could kick rocks like there is i won't say that everybody from the suburbs knows how to act because there's right. a lot of times where people feel like because they grew up around white people that they are like not like other niggas. Mm-hmm. And that is a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. But if you're not coming around acting like you better than everybody, you just saying, look, I'm from, I don't know, Evanston. I'm just throwing out a word. Uh, and, and instead of Chicago or whatever, then, oh, well, like niggas are just going to have to not like it. There's no shame in where you grew up. Like you said, it's not like you picked that. It's not like it's anything you can change. So as long as you being you and not acting uppity or like you different or better than other people, then I wouldn't be worried about it at all. It sounds like FOMO. It sounds like, you know, there's lots of, of different places, especially like huge metropolitan areas and cities where there's a certain level of pride mm. in being being yes. able to say I'm from Chicago, I'm from LA, I'm from I'm where from, it was rough. You know, the real Atlanta yeah. and all of that stuff. And so I think that sometimes people, you know, have this desire to also be able to identify with that and like feel like a part of a club, but again, for what? I mean, they can't change the club just like you can't. It, there is a such thing as people having a shared experience because they grew up in the same projects or the same hood or whatever. And you could just never be a part of that. That is true. But that's different from people being like, oh, you're not from Chicago, so I don't want to talk to you or be your friend. Like, mm-hmm. that is something else. And it's goofy. So if people are really mad at you for that, then those are not people you want to know. It's another nuance of black trauma. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, it is. I mean, true. But yeah. Okay. Good luck. She's so young. She's like 19 years old. I mean, it sounds it. You know what I'm saying? By the end of a fresh, maybe not even five years, you're going to be like, fuck all y'all bitches. I don't (laughs) give a fuck whether I'm from Chicago or where the fuck. This is freshman year college shit. It's so, that's very young. You'll be okay, baby. I'm not surprised by that age. Okay. So this letter comes from. I'm 1000% sure that this is not your real name. And then I also really believe that you made this email address just to send this email. Oh, Lord. But I'm not going to call you this anyway. I will call you um, Masandre. 
Okay. <laughs> that is name. Hey, y'all. She says, where the fuck do I even begin? I've been dating this guy for almost a year. The relationship has had a lot of ups and downs, which would require a whole different email. However, two of our main issues is that there's been a, a lot of questions surrounding both his sexuality and his financial situation. For context, I am a straight black woman, and he is a straight, I think, black man. Also, please excuse any typos or grammar area grammar errors. Well, there's one. <laughs> it all started when we were <laughs> It all started when we were having sex. At this point, we had been together for about five months, and for the first time without me even asking, he ate my ass. I instantly wanted to return the favor, so I did it back to him. Oh, fun. Then I started giving him head while simultaneous, simultaneously massaging his you-know-what. And then in, for instance, she puts butthole and, like, an explanation as to why she didn't say it in the first place. Okay. So massaging, you know, his rose, he was enjoying it <laughs> so much that I slipped a finger in there. To this day, I don't know why I did that shit. I guess I was caught in the moment. He lost his mind. Later that night, in a good way. Yeah, Later that night, I did it again. And oh, okay, rounds. And he said that it felt so good, he can see why men like to be bottomed. I laughed and took this as a joke. After a while, he wanted more and more of it and started saying things like, men who enjoy anal pleasure aren't gay. And if a man slept with another man only for the feeling and not the emotion, he's technically still straight. This surprised me because in the beginning of our relationship, he would say the complete opposite and thought that any pl- anal pleasure made you gay. Mm-hmm. He started enjoying me using a finger back there so much that we upgraded it to a toy. And eventually I started using a strap on to peg him. Love it. I love it. He asked me questions like, does this make me gay? And I'm scared of how far I will go with this. Maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. Oh, wow. But he said it felt so good that he wanted to continue. Fast forward one day, he told me that he was messaging this gay guy that hit him on Instagram. God damn it. I asked my boyfriend why he was even messaging this random man back. And my uh, boyfriend said that he thought it would be funny to see where the conversation went and that he would stop if it went too far. Oh, no. Mind you, this man is popular on Instagram, and my boyfriend had been following him because I started watching his activity on Instagram. My boyfriend swears that this man randomly found him, even though I can confirm that my boyfriend followed him first. He wouldn't let me see the messages and said he deleted them because the conversation wasn't going anywhere, and he felt like it was silly to continue talking to him. I said, good, then you should unfollow him, but he said he didn't want to be rude. He continued liking his pictures, even the ones that were overtly sexy, and when I asked him about it, he said that it was... He said that I was making it sound like he was on some suspect shit. So he unfollowed him because because he didn't want me to look at him in a weird way. What? I noticed that he would follow other random gay men on Instagram. Only one or two from what I saw. And he asked me if I thought he gave off the energy that made him seem gay. And even jokes that his gay friends call him trade. (laughs) He asked me so many questions about what I think is or isn't gay about the sexual things we do and i'm very confused (laughs) i am now uncomfortable pegging him now you are (laughs) and answering these questions i've never done this with a man before and i'm afraid that all this pegging has him confused that's not what's doing it sis i asked him if he wanted to have a threesome with a man this was me testing the waters and he said no he would never do that although he knows it would it would feel good having the real deal, but he assured me that he's only attracted to women. Now, the real deal stood out for me specifically in this moment mm-hmm. because it doesn't have to be a dick. So the fact that it's a, 
like that's the real deal for you. Yeah. I mean, mm. but all of these flags, right? Yeah, all of them. Um, <laughs> he also assured me that I'm the first woman that he's done these things with and he enjoys it because I make him feel comfortable and not judgmental. Yeah. Then she goes on um, about talking to her gay friends about this nigga and they basically all told the nigga that he they all told her Mm -hmm. that they believe him to be gay Mm -hmm. as well as finding it strange that he never painted when she first painted him although that's stupid uh for a list of reasons i'm not gonna name but all right all right um (laughs) we're both 28 years old so his behavior is a bit immature when in relation to homophobic and transgender jokes that he used to make i bet um Mm-hmm. And then this last paragraph basically goes into all of the other issues she has. Well, the main other issue, which is that the nigga is broke. And <laughs> wait, wait, wait. This is too much. Lastly, the man always claims that he's broke, but finds a way to do the things that he wants to do. He doesn't like going out and having fun. And we've been confined to my home because he lives with his parents for two to three months into us dating. The only time we go out is to the movies. When I tell him I want to go out, he complains that I'm being selfish and should support him trying to save money. After he told me how much he makes and what bills he has to pay, I find it hard to believe that he's broke. He eats fast food every day, has money for weed, and even goes to concerts from time to time. So long story short, basically the niggas seems to be pretending to be broke mm-hmm. and it's just cheap and they at the house every single weekend and she's tired of that shit too Ooh. so what's this man hiding is he bi am I extremely confused please help thanks so much <laughs> well there is a lot going on here what was her name Misandre yeah whatever yeah alright sis Um. so <clears throat> I think now this is just my opinion based off what I just heard mm-hmm. I don't know for sure mm-hmm. I think your boyfriend is a repressed queer person yep in bisexual or trisexual Pan, or homosexual something whatever a long time ago the parents that he still lives with taught him that something about him wasn't okay and he has been uh he has internalized that and mm-hmm. you are the first person he has been safe enough to to open up with in that way. Yeah. And this is why every time we get a letter from a girl who is like, I put a finger in my boyfriend's ass and he liked it too much. Is he gay? I'm like, <laughs> you know. Right. But this is the thing. If it were just that, then I would then say so I would feel right. something completely different. The G spot is there, and it's yes, just of course you like a it. body. Like you right. don't get to choose how it works. You know what I mean? But this following gay niggas on Instagram, yes. being in their DMs and all this other stuff. The homophobic, transphobic shit from jumpity jump yep. and the aggression and unnecessary. Yes. You know all of that. I that would part never of it. Do that. Wah wah wah, and all this. Mm-hmm. That was probably your first red flag. Yep. But again, lots of niggas are homophobic and transphobic. It doesn't always and mean that you're queer. Right. So. You know, and y'all be dating these niggas anyway. So it's not really like that's automatically the thing. Right. Right. But the fact that you have that on the list Mm -hmm. and then you have him following these gay niggas and and having suspect activity with them because the whole, oh, well, I just wanted to see how the conversation would go and I would blah, 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 blah. I deleted it because it wasn't going nowhere. That's the reason to not delete it. His gay friends call him traits. There's like, like everything yeah else it's everything else <laughs> that is like okay this yeah is suspect behavior and it doesn't it doesn't i wouldn't say that he is just like you were just saying it doesn't necessarily mean he's gay or bi you know what i'm saying if he fucking you then yeah. there's a very good chance yeah that he is attracted to women as well mm-hmm. or to you but right. um 
all of the like He's definitely curious shady for sure 100%. all of the shady behavior outside of the bedroom mm-hmm. is what would have my you know my mind on alert it's not yeah. just the sexual stuff and that's not something that's going to turn anybody out in terms of sexuality like i just don't mm-hmm. know write us a letter and let us know if you once were straight and then somebody you know <laughs> stimulated you down there and then all of a sudden you fucking guys i'm not saying it's impossible i just have not heard of it you know what <laughs> i mean? haven't heard of it in anybody who didn't already have an inclination that they were scared to exactly act anyway that's what i mean and that's what i think this is like your man has just been repressing this for a long time and now he done got a taste of what it could be like and he cannot go back. And so I think he needs to have the freedom and the space to explore that. But also I don't think that's on you to make sure he does that. Like you offered to have a threesome and he how turned you, it down. So. How, does, how did he make homophobic and transphobic jokes but he got gay friends? I I could listen. I don't know. I don't know these people. I'm not sure how that happened. A thing too. Maybe it could be possible. Whatever. I think that you know your you and your man have a real honest conversation that needs to be taking place. Yeah. Um, the broke thing is just the breakup with him cherry on top. Right. That's what I was going to say. Like, it's just like, outside <laughs> of all not? of that, now you got this whole other issue that's irking you with the nigga. But right. He just doesn't seem to be very trustworthy, and that's unfortunate because. It doesn't sound like it would be an issue if if he were like, you know what, I think I'm attracted to um to men and or trans women and or trans men or you know, Something, whatever. Yeah. If he were to just be honest up front, it doesn't sound like you would be turned off by that right. or that it you sounds would be like you're down for all that gay shit. I mean you Let's you do all that gay shit him. together, right. You know what I'm saying? So You ate his ass. I would never eat a nigga's ass. <laughs> progressive was the word that I was thinking or was trying to place last week? either. Yeah, I think it was <laughs> okay. last week. So yeah, that you have a progressive <laughs> Lord. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, who knows? There's a, a, so many re- Oh God, being gay is so exhausting. But, you know, yeah, I think that you your your mind is in, in the right place. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's not like, oh no, he might be gay. It's like, I mean, I think that kind of is your concern, but also there's a lot of other, it's not the potential gayness going on that concerns me. It's the fact that he's lying and hiding shit and covering it up. Exactly. (laughs) If he was like, you know what, babe, actually, yes, if we could try threesome and then you here and we could just see how, and like, it's a safe place for me to try out my sexuality or whatever. Like if he was able to say, I would like to open up sexually, (laughs) I would like to to let my flower bloom and mm-hmm. i would like to try some things out and if you would like to try them out with me like if he could do that then i think y'all would y'all would not have an issue but the fact that he's still in a place where he's lying and probably feeling ashamed and all that other shit i would say that to him be like look i feel like this is your issue and let me know if that's what's holding you back or not if he's not ready to talk about it you can't force him to and there's yeah. no need to drag yourself along and and sign up for a bunch of turmoil and nigga lying on you and cheating blatantly and all this other shit. There's no need to do that either. So right. best of luck, sis. Um, all right, let's move on. This next question comes from Dion, who says, I'm a black woman from the worst state ever, Florida, and I'm 22 years old. She said it. I did not. Mm-hmm. I started college three years ago and have had a significant weight change. 
My first year, the weight gain, significant stress, mental health, and the culture shock of attending a PWI put me in a dark place of self-loathing, and it took a lot for me to get out of it. Since then, I've been making strides towards being as healthy as I can while accepting my body in all of its stages and being kind to myself because my mind and anxiety are a bitch. Recently, I've had an awful semester in terms of grades and being diagnosed with anxiety and depression and going through a lot of stress, so I've gained a few more pounds that I am not okay with. I'm currently extremely insecure about this, period. For my birthday, I decided to go home and spend time with primarily my mother and father. My mother made me breakfast, which I ate, and then she asked if I wanted seconds. I said yes, and as she proceeded to give me a little more, my father told her that she did not have to give me all that, took the plate from her, and gave me the amount of food he saw fit. Wow. I told him that I am not a child and he didn't have to do that. And he responded by saying that I am a kid and I act like one because I don't know how to control my portions. And that's why I've gained weight. When he said that, I furiously threw the food on the table, got up (laughs) and went to wash my plate. You better me. He then got up, screamed at me to pick everything up and then went to my mom to make the situation worse. I do realize that my actions were disrespectful, but at the moment I was extremely pissed. To make an already long story shorter, my father and I do not have a good relationship Right. And he has a history of fat shaming and verbally and physically abusing me as a kid, as well as my family. As I get older, I realize that I have a lot of trauma and am now addressing it. And I've realized that that half the shit my family has said to me about my appearance and weight is not okay. I've been doing okay about this until my birthday incident. And after his comments and an argument about it put me in a dark place and resurfaced a lot of anger I have towards him and my family. This has been the worst birthday ever. Christmas break is coming up and I have to go back home. I am dreading this heavily. Do you have any advice as to what I can do so I don't lose my fucking mind while I'm there besides going to therapy, which I already do every other week? Anything would help. Thanks so much, Dion. Um, The only thing that I could think to do is to be passive, super aggressive. I mean, that's what I would do. I would literally just not speak to nobody. (sighs) You know, I I would literally just not have a conversation with anybody. And if asked, I would be honest. I mean, I'm just speaking about what I know that I literally would do, (laughs) which is I would definitely be honest. And I would say, you know, well, I don't feel comfortable having a conversation. I don't really even feel comfortable being here because I feel like I'm not supported. I feel like people, you know, don't really give a fuck about what's really going on with me mentally or emotionally. And I also feel like a lot of the trauma that I carry on is because of people right here in this room. It absolutely is. (laughs) I would much rather for me and my safety and my mental health and betterment sit here and be quiet and enjoy my nog or whatever the fuck (laughs) and mind my business until this is all over. Yeah, I think... um, Yeah, I feel for you because 22 is a rough age and you're going through all this stuff. You're in therapy realizing how fucked up your childhood was. That is a lot to come to terms with so i think um if i were you and i go home for christmas i would honestly just chill like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna keep things very regular you know like you already said you and your dad don't have a good relationship so i would not go out of my way to speak to him and as soon as he or anybody else says something about your body i would say um i'm actually you know just here to celebrate the holidays i'm not here to talk about my body if that's not okay with you then we can just not talk at all but my body's not up for discussion. 
Period. You are an adult, even though he doesn't see you that way or treat you that way. And if he decides that he's going to talk to you about your body or yell at you or scream or whatever else, then you can just ignore him. You can just walk away, go to your room, whatever else. Like you can make it clear that we're not having this discussion. You can go back to the dorms. You can leave if you really want to. Like the point is you don't have to put up with that shit. You don't. I said we're not talking about it. That's it. Find something else to talk about. It's literally your body. It's my body. You don't have to talk it's about it. It's not up for discussion. You cannot make like, me do it. <laughs> it's like surprise because you really, it's, you don't, right. like, you don't have to talk about your body Period. to nobody you about not. anything or whatever, <laughs> especially if all that's coming from, all that would come from that discussion is negativity right. and malice. And you feeling bad. And right. So it's like, you know Which what? isn't going to help if you cope with negative emotions by eating. That's only going to make things worse. I wish people understood that. And it doesn't matter who understood that. really feels like this shit is whatever. Like, I, I don't, if it's deemed to be disrespectful to not speak or to whatever, whatever, I'd be like, you know what? It's I'd, disrespectful to talk to me like that. I'd rather disrespect you than go home feeling like shit or feel like shit right now yeah. or continue to be, you know, condescended to or demeaned yeah. or Berated whatever. even. So. Fuck that. It's really like no fuck season. It's, that's what you should be on. Yep. And you can always like, I don't know. I just think that anytime you tell somebody <clears throat> or show somebody, this is how you're going to treat me. It, it marks this like change in you where you like, wow, I really don't have to put up with nobody's shit. Like I really don't. And I truly have the option to be like, you're just not going to speak to me. Like we don't have to do it. I think you're scared because you haven't done it before, but the first time you do, I think you're going to feel so much better. Oh yeah. It gets so much easier after the first. Yes. (laughs) And if he keeps doing it, like, okay, so I guess me and you just really not finna talk. Okay. Like that's cool. That is absolutely 100% your decision. So best of luck with it, sir. Good luck to you, girl. Hey, y'all. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding a work-life balance can be tough. Okay. If anybody knows, I know. But Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. If you don't know, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can use Squarespace to create a website, engage with your audience, and sell anything from products to your time. All in one place. With the new guided design Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website that's optimized for every device and make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. You can accept credit cards, PayPal, Apple Pay, and in certain countries, you can give customers the chance to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. Y'all know I love Squarespace. I used it to put our website together. This is 3.com. I've also used it on my personal website, crystal.com. And that is because, first of all, it's very easy to use if you ever need to update it. It's simple to log in, make whatever updates you can make or whatever you need to do without knowing any code or anything like that. And it helps me to just stay organized, do everything I need to do. Because you got to have a web presence, okay? It's 2024. You got to have a web web presence. So head on over to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash three to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Let them know if you're in Crystal sent you. All right, let's get back to the show. Keep It is brought to you by Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed 
to be deleted. If you're really good at it, that is. I've actually met several really good friends through Hinge. I've used it, I can't believe this, over a decade now. Woof, what a life I've had. Well, you know what they've added within a decade of us being on Hinge is their new LGBTQIA plus prompts, which are designed to help queer daters better connect based on similarities, interests, and compatibility. Hinge Prompts helps you show off your full personality and connect with someone who appreciates you. Plus, these prompts were created in collaboration with GLAAD, so they are by the people, for the people. Some of the prompts are, the first time I knew I was gay was, mm, I was literally in the act of being gay, like hooking up with somebody when I admitted it. (laughs) Denial is strong and hard in the Catholic Midwest. Mine was Tom Cruise's Vanity Fair cover, the shirtless one. You just turned to an imaginary camera and said, I'm gay. Yeah. Or broke the fourth wall. (laughs) You're like Fleabag. Other prompts include, I feel proudest of who I am when. It feels affirming when others, blank. I connect to my community by. I wish I could tell the younger version of myself. I'm going to say, whenever I watch that in a drag race semifinal, when they're like, if I could talk to my younger self, I would say, I would be like, girl, get tighter clothes. I mean, what's going on with what you're wearing? You look like you're in the X Games. Other prompts include, my chosen family is the best at and gender euphoria looks like. Download Hinge and show off your full self using their LGBTQIA plus prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. Um, what should I choose here? I'll go with this one. This comes from Candy. It says, my fiance and I have been together for 10 years. We live together and are getting married next year. Last night, while I was asleep, I woke up to him masturbating in bed next to me, which made me upset. I wasn't upset that he was jerking off. We have sex fairly often. But I get masturbation is a separate thing, and I do it too. I'm mad because he woke my ass up and couldn't take his shit into the bathroom or the (laughs) living room instead of violently shaking the bed that I'm sleeping in. Anyway. The thing I need advice on is this. I was looking at his screen, because I'm nosy as fuck, and wanted to see what he was into. To my surprise, there was a small, blonde Asian girl on the screen bouncing around with her clothes on. I thought it was weird that she was alone and dressed. Then I realized that he was interacting with her. He would stop whacking it to type things back to her, and she would giggle and start stripping or doing something different. He moved, and I couldn't see the screen, so I'm not sure what she did, but he continued to type to her the whole time. Now, I'll admit I'm a porn noob. I'm not against it. I was just... Always able to get off to a fantasy in my head and just never got into it. I have no idea how webcam girl stuff, how webcam girl stuff works, but I'm a little uncomfortable about it and I don't know if I'm being fair. Even though he stopped typing and left the chat the second he came, it feels personal to me since he was talking to another person sexually. (laughs) Have y'all ever done this or do you know how it works? Is it just one on one or was he really chatting with a bunch of other people watching her? Should I be Feeling as creeped out as I am, also important, is this shit free? Because I'm trying to pay for a wedding, and I feel like it's probably dumb expensive. (sighs) Thanks, Candy. Well, Candy, I don't think it's dumb expensive, but it's certainly not free. Um, I mean, it can be. Really? Yeah, it depends. I think if he's doing like a one-on-one session with this girl, she's If he's doing one-on-one, then yeah, that's not free. Right. But from what I know, for like webcam models and stuff like that, they, a lot of them are like a group thing. It's like streaming Mm. just like any other thing. So a lot of times they have uh, groups of people in these chats 
And basically people will chat with them and you can really talk about whatever, but usually they're telling you what they would like to see or whatever. And um, I believe that usually the person on the other side is sort of basically getting tips. Like they're, they Mm. would be like, basically you want some areola? Give me some tips, guys. Like that's, I think how it goes. Like a digital stripper. Yeah, basically. Basically, okay. like a digital stripper or like one of those old school things where the window would go down when he was out of time. <laughs> right. But Maybe see, even them that. charge you like something to come in. Right. So, I mean, I can't say for sure whether he's actually spending money on this or not, because like I said, I don't believe that you need to. Um, but it's possible. And at the same time, I can't say that he was doing a one on one with her because right. it's possible. But for I would. I'd like to say maybe most of them websites are group things. I mean, this could be a girl he follows on Snapchat or something. There are plenty of just regular people out here who are doing sex work on the side. I so mean, yeah, that's true. It could it could be something that he didn't even sign up for through a porn site. But I think this would actually concern me less than regular porn. Mm-hmm. I, I, mis- I honestly think it would. Like, I feel like something like this is more ethical than most porn that is produced and so especially if he's paying for it mm-hmm. and giving the money directly to the girl who is getting him off all right i mean the side takes some company or some but, white yeah. man right like you're actually paying the person who's doing this and then girl the fact that he exited the chat as soon as he was done, right hello <laughs> just like when the porno is over and you've had your moment <laughs> you close the laptop and go to bed that is exactly what he did. I mean, it's essentially still porn. Yeah. You know? It's, it's I just would, Yeah, I don't have no issue. I would have no issue with my partner doing something like Me this. Me neither. I wouldn't. I mean, that girl is not going to meet your man. Yeah, you she know don't She's not. Him at she all. is likely not interested no. in any of the motherfuckers in that chat. He is She's trying gas to pay bills. Hello. Okay, and get it. something good to eat like the rest of us. <laughs> That's all that it is. So pay, you know, yeah. tuition. Who, are, who even fucking knows? So, I think you're creeped out about it because you know he actually is interacting with her mm-hmm. and most people obviously don't do that while they're watching porn but i just don't plenty of niggas talk back to the screen like they are interacting so mm-hmm. that's true i just wouldn't be um worried about this it would be different if he was in a bunch of girls dms trying to fuck or something like mm-hmm. that but if he's not then look that's just what he likes <laughs> he likes to watch girls bouncing around on balls that does something for that's him a, i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't have an issue get you an exercise ball surprise him <laughs> That's what I you would, do. Um, <laughs> I would just be like, next time you and, and passionately Katie or whatever, yeah. <laughs> y'all need to take that shit over into the living room. Do that in Somewhere there. quiet because, be, like, how, how dare you? Honestly, I'm I trying to sleep. so sleep. So... <laughs> Out? Right. Like, being woken up for anything is aggravating is. to me. But being woken up because your nigga is jacking off to some webcam shit. I can't even shit. imagine. Like, are you fucking kidding? You couldn't have the decency to just get up. <laughs> Lesbians like, will... <laughs> Lesbians will wake you up to have sex. I mean, that's completely different. Right. You know what I'm saying? Waking me up because you was over there playing with yourself. There's no like, need for me to be awake Leave for me this. alone. Right. I don't have to be up, but here I am. <laughs> so go yonder, please, and thank you. Yeah, Candy, I think that this is something that you don't really need to worry about yeah. at all. So, uh, yeah, but good luck to you. Talk to your man about it, but I think this is fine. Um, let's take a real quick break and okay. then we'll come back. 
Hey, y'all, listen, we all know that life is full of the yada, yada, yada. You know, sometimes you sign up for a contract one place and then in order to get out of it, you got to send a million letters and go up there in person. And it's just a bunch of blah, blah, blah. Like this could have been easier. Okay, we've all dealt with the yada, yada before when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in fine print or, you know, even bills that just seem to keep going up every month for no dang reason. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then they charge you for every little thing until you might as well have just booked your ticket somewhere else. But it is possible to outsmart the yada yada, like triple checking airline deals and making sure everything you need is already included. So remember, you don't have to take the yada yada in life and you don't have to take it from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada. So stop by one of the over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide to sign up today. Hey, y'all, there's a famous Abraham Lincoln quote that says, good things come to those who wait. But that's only part of it. The full quote is, good things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Is that true? Who knows? But if you're a business owner and you want the best people on your team, the same concept applies. Thankfully, ZipRecruiter puts the hustle in your hiring so you find qualified candidates fast. And now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash the read. ZipRecruiter's smart technology finds top talent for your roles right away. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's matching technology starts showing you qualified people for it. There's a lot of really great people out there looking for employment. So let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash the read to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash T-H-E-R-E-A-D. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So go hire somebody. Okay, we are back. It is time for more of your letters. That is correct. Um, send your questions to ask the read at gmail.com. Uh, I just realized it's my turn. Let's yep. see. <clears throat> Let's go. Hmm. Mm. Mm. Okay. No, no. All right. I think I've I think I've picked one. All right. So this question comes from Damn, this is no, there's no name here. Um, Angela. Angela. This might be a boy, I don't know. But anyway, Angela says, I am quite livid. I am 29 years old and unfortunately I live in Indiana. (laughs) (laughs) I moved here from Florida a little over a year ago. I absolutely hate it. (laughs) I moved here because I was in dire straits the last few months. I was in Miami with money problems and the depression that comes along with that shit. Mm. I had to make some quick decisions and ended up moving to Indiana to reset and get my shit together. I never lived here prior to this and it's fucking trash. I can't even convey to you in this email how much this place sucks. It's country and hick and full of conservative white racists (laughs) and white women and their biracial kids. Wow. Every day I am miserable. I smoke weed and eat copious amounts of food to cope. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is adding to my misery. I went from air mattresses in my mom's living room to to an uncomfortable ass futon to now a twin bed in my musty ass 16 year old brother's room I can never get any good sleep and every day I'm in a bad mood (laughs) I feel like I'm not in control of any aspect of my life this is a two bedroom apartment and I am constantly cleaning the bathroom obviously because I share with a nasty ass teenager I get no privacy and did I mention that there is a fucking deep freezer in my brother's room What? Why is there a deep freezer in a bedroom? I will never know. When I first started staying here, I didn't have a car. 
<laughs> my dad's wife doesn't either. So she didn't make this super clear, but she moved from Florida with her mom to Indiana with her dad. Okay. All right. So when I first started staying here, I didn't have a car. My dad's wife doesn't either. Around April, May of last year, she told me I have a garnishment on my check that'll be gone in July. So that'll free up some money so I can finally buy a car. I was like, bet I'm on the same tip. I've worked hard and I purchased the vehicle this June. Now I can come and go as I please. But lately, my dad's wife has been needing a ride to appointments and stuff, which is inconvenient and annoying. But if I have the time, I'll do it. For the past two or three weeks, I've had to take her to work at 730 in the morning. I am completely sick of this shit. I work in the evenings. I do required community service in the daytime. Oh, finish assignments because I am in school. And I also just don't feel like fucking getting up. In two minutes, there will be snow and ice on the ground. And I don't want to be required to get up early as fuck heat up my car and all that extra to take somebody else to work i feel like i'm required to be her chauffeur and i don't want to do it but also that how i feel doesn't matter i'm a grown-ass woman and when I, when I didn't have a car i was using uber and walking and doing whatever it took to get where i needed to be moving here has been the worst transition of my life i cry every day because i'm cramped in this tiny apartment where i can't even sleep with no pants on because somebody may come and get something out the deep freezer <laughs> That's terrible. And you're laughing. I'm sorry. I just thought about it. Jesus, God. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. My 16 year old brother is three feet away at all times. I am uncomfortable every day of my life. My mental health is suffering greatly, and I am truly not okay. I'm so sorry that I laughed like that. I plan to get my own place as soon as I can, but realistically, it won't be until spring at the earliest. I can't afford to live on my own, but I don't care if I'm living hand to mouth. I have to have my peace of mind. I'll be 30 next August and I can't believe my life is like this. What should I do? I am at my wits end. Do you know, do y'all know what I could be doing wrong? Help. Thanks in advance. Who? Angela. Yeah. Okay. Mm, again, I am really sorry. It was just the the visual. Yeah, no, I get why that was funny. Of somebody walking in and getting some fucking nuggets out the deep freezer. And it's just, <laughs> it's just because too it's much. so fucking like. And that is such a Midwestern thing to do. <laughs> my my grandma had like three freezers. We definitely had a deep freezer, but it was like legit in the back, back, back. Yeah, house. it was in the utility room, which right, I think is a little same. more acceptable than somebody's bedroom. That is fucking crazy. That's, I've never heard of anything like but that. Yeah, you're going through a lot. And you didn't, there's a lot of background information we don't have here. Like what exactly was so bad in Florida that you felt compelled to move to Indiana? I mean, what ain't? I'm sorry from Florida to Indiana it would have to be pretty fucking bad for me to leave Florida I mean I've only pretty been to Indiana bad. for a shake in my whole life so <laughs> I don't really know what to expect I mean and I say this is somebody who's from Oklahoma I feel like Indiana and Oklahoma are comparable and I'm not going back okay <laughs> so it would have to be very fucking bad in, in Florida for me to leave and you know we also don't know what you've been up to while you're in Indiana like why you have this required community service you didn't give us any background into that so I feel like there's a lot going on with you that we don't know about so it makes it hard to say you know where you might be going wrong mm. because I'm not really sure what's going on with you but I do completely understand you needing to get out of that house that I do get. And so if you, the whole thing about your dad's wife and having to take her to work and all that, it's one thing if they cover all your bills. But if they don't, then you can say, look, I'm 
I'm not getting up at first thing in the morning to take you to work. Like your husband's right. going to have to take you, your son, somebody can drop you off, but it's not going to be me. Mm-hmm. And you can stack your money up and look around, see who in Indiana is looking for a roommate. It should not be that expensive to find somebody else who has a two bedroom apartment, but there's like just a grown up who just has an empty room yeah. and, you know, be able to move in there. And I think that'll take care of so much of the misery because a good 75% of this letter is how much you hate that apartment. Yeah. So I think, uh, a change of location, a change of living location has to be your first priority. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. And I've totally been um, in living situations before that were like incredibly um, just like they just affected my uh, my emotions and my depression in such intense ways. Yes. And so... I feel like one of the few things that helped me in those moments were coming up with a plan um, and like writing out a schedule and obviously it didn't go exactly the way that I wanted it to. And mm-hmm. I don't think that I expected that plan to, but it was there was just something about like planning the get out that helped. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, coping mechanisms of mine that still exist um you know video games for me are a great form of escapism mm-hmm. i don't rely on it because i just feel like video games are amazing and underrated but at the same time i know that if i turn one on i can just go there for a bit and mm-hmm. not be in the yes. four walls or whatever so that's nice for me, but I also find that reading is really good at mm-hmm. doing the same thing. Um, listening to music, Oof. like anything that can sort of just help your mind zero in on one thing yeah. <laughs> for a bit yeah. and just be focused on that. And then... Because it's hard to not even have a bedroom to yourself. Yeah. Like not only do you share it with your brother, you share it with the freezer. That's So people just walk in whenever they feel like it. Right. That is too much. Yeah. for any one person yeah. to be reasonably expected to handle. So, yeah, I'm thinking like when I was 29, my life was probably at least this trash because I was living in New York City and was broker than I had ever been in my entire life trying to deal with winter while not having real winter clothes because I didn't come from a place with a real winter. and. Right. Dealing with snow and slushy bullshit and getting on the train to go to work and everything was bad. Yeah. (laughs) And then go home to an apartment that I share with people who I just really don't ever really know who might be in the house when I get there because I am just renting a room from these people. I don't get to have no other part of their house. Like I have access to my room and the bathroom and that is it. And but. At least even there, I could just go home, open, unlock my door, shut it, lock Mm -hmm. that door. And I was just in my own place where I could just, you know, think about how fucking wretched my life was. So I fully get it. um, But I don't want you to give up. Things can always turn around. um, And I know your your mental health is really suffering. But yeah, I yeah, I really think the first thing you got to do is is find somewhere else to live. Yeah, consider the situation temporary. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, try to focus on a plan to leave. Right. As well as just something to take your mind off of 
your surroundings <laughs> as best. And I know that's going to definitely be easier mm-hmm. said than it is done, but there's got to be a way that you can sort of just put your mind at rest while you're there yeah. in preparation for whenever you can not be there. Yeah. Even if you don't get to move out till spring, you can start a countdown clock where it's like every day I mark yeah. off another day on the calendar. You X that shit off. You know, if you have any friends there, talk to them about whether they need a roommate or, you know, maybe spend the night with them every now and then you can spend a weekend in like a really cheap hotel or find a deal or something like that where you could just kind of treat yourself every now and then to a little vacation away from all the shit going on in that apartment it's a lot of things you can do to manage um how hard everything is but good luck to you because when you're in the middle of a bunch of hard ridiculous shit like that it can be really difficult to see how you'll ever get out of it right hang in there so this letter comes from, they put Bumba Cloth, so I guess that's what she wants to be called. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm assuming your gender. So to get right into it, my boyfriend asked me to marry him last week. I took a minute to respond because I honestly want to break up with him. <laughs> Oh, shit. I live in D.C. and he lives in New York City, which is truly not a significant distance. Neither of us are broke, so a $200 flight is not a big deal. Okay, bro. Well. Mm-hmm, we're flexing. All righty. All right. I mean, because... A $200 flight ain't nothing, <laughs> I mean, okay? It's nothing. But number one, I always go see him. Number two, we have not set up a consistent time in which we'll see each other, i.e. once a month, every other week. And number three... We also have not committed to a time frame in which we want to live in the same state. Two and three I have asked about, and that's when he buys a ticket to come and see me. When I ask him when I'll see him next, he says he'll see or he stops responding via text, then responds later, changing the subject. And I don't hold water in my mouth, so I ask questions like, how slash why do you want to be with me and not even want to see me? Which leads to an argument. To add insult to injury, my nigga has two children with two different baby mothers. That was 10 years ago. Cool, cool, cool. And then she put not actually cool in parentheses. I mean. But it doesn't help that he makes it an issue when I want to see him. I do believe people change. And if it is evident, they will. They have. Okay. If it is evident they have, we should give them an opportunity to be to be that changed person. He has not given me any reason not to trust him. But it doesn't feel right to me. He's sweet, patient, motivated, and all that other stuff that made me catch feelings. Anyway, also, yes, the dick is good. It's actually great. I feel like he only wants this relationship for reasons that don't include love or is possibly hiding something in New York City. Oh, he lives in New York? Yeah. Oh, (laughs) yeah, he hiding a few things. I feel like he only wants this relationship for reasons that don't include love or is possibly hiding something New York City is a big hoe city. You need punctuation marks, girl. (laughs) I'm originally from Brooklyn. Are we supposed to be long distance married? The fuck? Do I break break up with him or try to figure out a clear understanding of what we both want from each other? Um, P.S. Y'all are black-tastic. Can't wait for tour dates. Sincerely, Bumble Cloth. Okay. Well, long distance is already garbage. Yeah, it sucks. But if I have to argue with you about coming to see me, no. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I just recently had a conversation with a friend of mine who's in a long distance relationship, and I'm talking about internationally long. Oh fuck! That. And oh, like, no, oh no. And they make it work, but that's because there's a clear 
and um, genuine intention for them to see one another as often as they can. And they do that. Now, I know that has to be like that's (laughs) after a while, it's like, okay, I can't just do this. I can't fly to a whole other country Mm -hmm. every month or whatever. It's just just, it's impractical. So there should be. Um, some sort of a conversation or plan for you guys to be together at some point. You know, yeah. I would think nobody, I, you not know, just long distance for some indeterminate amount of time. Like, right. yeah, we're not doing that. Um, so I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Um, and I'm looking at your actual email address, so I do believe you to be woman. Um, it doesn't surprise me that you are the one trying to get clarity and answers. Right. And this nigga is just like, oh, I'll text you. You got that new Pokemon? <laughs> like, the, nigga, sorry, what? Girl, so. <laughs> I'm talking to you about our relationship. Are you talking about the Nintendo Switch? I just spent all of these dimes and pennies on another fucking ticket to come to fucking New York and see you. And I would just like to know, you know, reciprocity. Now I understand you, you know, trying to mention all of these great qualities and stuff that he has. And he really might be, you know, fantastic in all of these other regards. Mm. But you got to read between lines. He's fucking somebody in this city, girl. I wasn't even going to say that. Oh. <laughs> I was just going to say, if he's not willing to meet you halfway here, you got to consider what else mm-hmm. you'll have to be trying to make up for, make room for, compromise on, and all these other types of shit. Like, we're, you're literally talking about compromising seeing one another. Right. You know, you're talking about... We're not doing that. that like, that is not done for you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he could be doing whatever the fuck he's doing in, in the city. Or he could legit just be working and going home and playing NBA 2K like many other niggas. Yep. So I just feel like the, the there is an issue in general with you just having to make the effort all of the time to spend yes. time with one another. Yes. If he asked to marry you and he's great in all of these other respects, let's go ahead and say that he is a good guy doing good things and he just is a bit airheaded when it comes to what you're talking about <laughs> that would right be one now. Thing. That means that, you know, if you really want to be with this nigga and you really do, you know, could you could see you guys being married, then mm-hmm. maybe you need to grab the nigga by the shoulders and shake him a little bit and say, Hey, <laughs> I had been considering leaving your motherfucking ass because I can't see this going into a place yeah. of stability. Say that shit. You're not helping me see this go to a place right. of stability. So I am not going to agree to spend the rest of my life with you if I feel like for the rest of my life, right. I'm going to see your ass thrice. <laughs> <laughs> I love so, the here. <laughs> I just, you know, right. I need to understand what's going on for me to be secure that I'm not going to be wasting my damn time as well as legal documents and shit like that. Exactly. Like, that's just... Marriage, this is not, I'm not going to be putting up with this in a marriage. So I'm for damn sure not going to be putting up with it in this relationship. Like, and I think a lot of women in particular are like scared to say that because it's like, oh, I don't want to make him mad. I don't want him to break up with me because I asked. If he breaks up with you because you say, hey, I'm frustrated and I feel like this relationship ain't going nowhere, then y'all need it to break up. Yeah. 
Like, it, you need to lean into maybe breaking up is for the best. That is clarity right there. Like, it is. Oh, okay. So we don't need to be together. Great. Right. Awesome. And I completely forgot about these two baby mamas. Mm-hmm. So it's just, there's a whole lot going on in here, honey. You know what right. I mean? But again, if you've been with them for a while and you would like to make it work, I think you know what needs to be said and like really, mm-hmm. really driven home. Because some niggas will, you know, nod their head. You already done talked about how when you bring it up, then he's like, all right, let me buy a ticket and go see. You know what well, I mean? Well, like, but why did that even have to happen? Your exactly. man should be like, uh, so it's been two and a half weeks since I saw you and um, I'm going to need a whiff. Like, yeah. I don't understand why you have to be like, hey, come see me for him to buy a ticket. Well, no. yes, I do. Because he got some ass right here in the city. But that might not be true. That's just what I think. I mean, who knows? Yeah. I'm not putting it past anybody. But, but yeah, yeah, have the conversation. Be like, look, is this what you want? Yes or no? Because I'm feeling like it ain't going nowhere. And just see where it goes. Yep. Best of luck to you. Um, Our next question comes from Allie, who says, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. It has helped me through some very dark times. Thank you, girl. Um, I need some advice. I've been in therapy for a little over a year. And my therapist recently told me that she will no longer be my therapist because she is leaving the agency. When I heard this news, I wanted to curl up into a ball and cry. I went through so much with my therapist from addressing childhood trauma, a death in the family, my job, the stress of grad school, toxic relationships and breakup, strained family relationships, depression and trying to balance it all. When she told me she was no longer going to be with the agency, I told her I wasn't sure I wanted to go through with therapy anymore and may want to be discharged since I have been making progress. However, since some of my concerns are still a constant in my life, I'm not sure if that's the right decision. I wanted to know if you all have ever had a change in therapist and wanted to quit therapy altogether because you didn't want to meet someone else. Is this normal? Or am I overreacting? Please help Allie. P.S. One reason I considered being discharged is because I'm nervous to have a white therapist who may not be sympathetic to cultural differences. I am a black pansexual man and my last two therapists have been people of color. I've been open about my struggles in my respective communities and I'm concerned that with having an insensitive therapist I will shut myself off and start to revert which is real a very real um, concern and so I totally get why you're scared and I think this is 100% normal yeah I totally agree I would Um, have a fit if my therapist was like yeah girl I'm not practicing no more be like uh what you didn't run this by me at all so I don't know how far this can go if it can go anywhere but I would ask if your therapist can refer you to someone else um that is great you know you could express your certain desire for Mm -hmm. um a therapist of color specifically a black one if that's what you need and um yeah i just ask to you know be referred to Mm -hmm. another capable therapist who can then get the information from you, at least like a breakdown of information from you mm-hmm. about some things that we've discussed, the place that I'm at, the place that I've come from. And that way you can just be put into the hands of someone else who your therapist deems right, right for you. Um, and then hopefully they will also then have a, a decent enough idea of where you're at with things so you don't have to explain everything all the fuck over again. Again, I'm not really 
sure that this is a thing that therapists do, but I want to say it has to be possible. Yeah, I definitely think um, that's your best bet is to ask them who in the agency they feel would be a good fit for you. Even if it is a white therapist, it could be a white therapist who, you know, is aware of white privilege and racism and how those things work in society. I mean, if you're a therapist, I would hope so. You would hope so. But there are a lot of therapists who are not at all aware of things like that or they, you know, deliberately ignore them. And so then you have to explain cultural shit or like explain why a microaggression was racist and why this was. And it's like. Okay, I I am not doing all that in therapy. I'm supposed to be here to work on my shit, not teach you shit. So, but on the other hand, I think like 85% of therapists in this country are white. I mean, so no guy there. So, yeah, even if it is a white person, I think uh, having that referral from your therapist who you already trust would be huge. Um, Also, check with your friends. You never know who has a therapist who's in network or who has recommendations and that sort of thing. Um, I just want you to know that you're definitely not overreacting. All the shit you went through with this therapist, yeah, no, for that sure. lady knows you like nobody else. Yeah. And so that's that's a difficult person to let go of. Nobody wants to have to then go and be like, all right, I'm, even if you find another right, like, therapist that's good for you, like, to hey, have girl, to like, so break everything down all over my trauma. again. And right. Catch up. I totally get why he wouldn't want to do that. So I would definitely ask therapist um for assistance and just helping you find someone else right. and bridge the gap so that you don't have to do all this work all over again yeah and maybe she can like pass along some notes like maybe a little summary about you be like right. here's all the shit this nigga been through and here's right. everything he's dealing with and, or you could do it yourself yeah or you could do it yourself but yeah i think asking around is going to be your best bet quitting therapy altogether is probably not the move to make i will say that oh yeah for sure not you, like, you know that a lot of your concerns are still popping up in your life and you still need, still need help working through them. So, yeah, I would just get on the hunt, which is is hard. And yeah. I hate that it's like that for us. And I definitely want to do my part to make mental health care more accessible to black people in particular. But, you know, until then, we, we got to work with what we got. So Tax. good luck to you, Ali. Um, yeah, it's hard. OK, this email comes from E. And. You know, mailbag episodes don't have to be just question mail. They can also be reads because you guys send those in as well. They can. So this one says, hey, y'all, look at this stupid fucking meme. Now, I'm not going to say who tweeted this because who cares. But um, basically, is this even a meme? Because it's just a tweet that somebody sent. But it says, what Carol Sanchez did just sent black girls back. It's bad enough the media and police don't take missing black women serious. So the one time it actually makes national news, it's staged. We got so many black girls who are currently missing parents left heartbroken. Girl, really? So E responds to this by saying, and there's a bit of it, but I'm going to read most of it. Okay. Um, first, okay, to understand why this meme is so stupid, disgustingly misogynistic, misogynoirist and anti-black I want us to know and remember a few things first is that there is a long consistent history of the police ignoring black people's missing persons cases the police drag their feet on missing cases involving black women and girls consistently (laughs) although we are highly likely to be the victims of sex trafficking they often suspect black women and girls of being runaways using this as an excuse to avoid due process in investigating missing persons cases and use this for justification in closing cases prematurely often without the evidence to substantiate these conclusions and without reasoning to support why a black 
black girl running away is acceptable. Also, the media has also been consistent in its lack of coverage for cases of missing black people, especially where women and girls are concerned. This is illuminated, especially when we see the care, focus and empathy expressed for little white girls gone missing, regardless of the reason. Black people noted this disparity and responded to it in our use of social media. When one of our own is missing, we immediately pay attention. Many of us share pictures and links to cases of missing black girls faster than we can read them. And a lot of times, even after the person has been found, we have started to place a high level of importance on this action because we know these systems are racist and have been. To blame their racism on Carol is lazy, stupid, outright inaccurate, and is deliberately abusive. Yep. In bold, it says why I think y'all are responding this way. For you all to turn so viciously against Carol after learning that she was reportedly not abducted suggests to me that your reaction is psychological. You've suggested that she be incarcerated, needs to be beaten, among many other violent suggestions that are not appropriate for the actions she took, her level of responsibility as a 16-year-old child, or the time and amount of information it would take to understand all of what happened and why it did. Your responses suggest to me that you are deeply ashamed of having supported this girl to later learn that your assumptions of the situation were manipulated. Understandably, this can make someone feel duped, stupid, or ashamed, but you shouldn't. It is a fact that the minor child was missing and that police assistance was warranted to help her be found. It is also a good practice to share information about missing children who are actually still missing from their guardian's care, as she was, in the hope that sharing the information would help the children be found. Even if we don't have all the facts of the case, what is not okay is to have a sense of entitlement over the outcome of a story because you clicked a button on your iPhone, or feeling personally pranked by something that doesn't personally involve you. It's not okay to hold a child stranger accountable for your feelings about being wrong and then advocate further trauma for that child. It seems that y'all are gleefully wishing additional trauma on a girl who has been nationally exposed for making the worst mistake of her life. This is what you should wish on this is what you wish on black children at their lowest because of your timeline being tarnished. Get over yourself. And further, stop sharing memes of her face calling her a liar or comparing her to unrelated cases of other adults. Allow her to move on and get the help that she needs without jumping to further conclusions or being a bully towards a 16-year-old child. You don't know. We don't know the whole story. It's a time... Okay, so I'm going to skip these two paragraphs. But basically, in one paragraph, she, she's just going over possibilities of what this girl could be going through. Mm-hmm. Example coming from a repressed and abusive household or just being a typical 16 year old who doesn't mm-hmm. understand how good they have it and makes a poor decision because you're be. in that age it could be anything could. we don't know so continuing here she says finally a note on blaming racism on black people for good measure there's no level of good behavior a black person can exhibit that would entice racist people to reconsider their racism mm. on the flip side there's no level of bad behavior a black person can exhibit that excuses or confirms or confirms racist rationales confirmation bias also allows racist people to point out bad behavior and try to use it as justification for racism that already existed the same racism exists for black people who exhibit good behavior and does not for non-black people who behave badly especially not when those people are white this is because anti-black racism is about dehumanizing black people it's about creating shifting goalposts that can never be satisfied and taking away dignity power health and life from black people to the social political and economic advantage of white people this is the foundation of the way race has been constructed in this country since 1619 i wish you guys understood this to the point of internalizing it and forming deeply held beliefs around it saying 
saying that you're pro-black or exalting black excellence on the timeline is not enough. You need to believe in the humanity of black people and that racism is never justifiable. I think a lot of people a lot of you believe that you have, but if that were true, you would never dare to curl your lips to accuse a black person of inspiring racism against other black people because you would actually understand that at the moment you are empathizing with and speaking for racists rather than your own people. I see it and y'all are making me sick. Thanks, E. Well, so I felt like that said everything that I wouldn't have been able to so eloquently say about this Carol Sanchez story. So thanks, E. Yes. Thank you for that. The only thing I will point out is that what we now know is that her boyfriend who helped her pull off this stunt is 23 years old. Mm -hmm. So that has. And at first I thought he was probably 16, 17, maybe 18. But now that I know he's 23, I've started thinking, okay, it might be a really restrictive home with, you know, oppressive parents or whatever. Or it might be that her mom is like, I'm getting you away from that 23 year old man. Mm -hmm. And and so she and he were like, oh, no, you're not. And decided to formulate something else. But I don't trust that 23 year old boyfriend shit at all. That is disgusting. Right. 23 with a 16 year old girl is just wrong. So at the same time. I don't feel like that has anything to do with anything that she just wrote. No, no, no. I'm just making the point that it could be something else. It could also be that the boyfriend has manipulated her or has control over her. Oh, yeah. Big facts. But it's like. But regardless, everything she put in this email is true. Every last word is true. It's just ridiculous. People are racist. It's not like black people just need to start acting the way white people want us to. And then they won't be racist. They'll just find another thing we do that they don't like because it's us they don't like. Even Not the behavior. Exactly. Even <laughs> if Carol us. had been really snatched off the street by, you know, crazy, vampiric n- niggas yeah. from the city, you know, it would not have made people pay attention to the stories of black mm-hmm. missing girls exactly. or women anymore or less. Like, that wasn't going to do a motherfucking thing. Right. I think a big part of the reason why it made such crazy headlines that was all over the place is because there was actual video footage of her being right. snatched up. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, as opposed to a lot of these, you know, pictures of these girls from, you know pics they took at high school yeah, or their yearbook or picture or just a pic from them at home in the story and it just goes over most people's heads because people don't take black bodies specifically black women's bodies seriously or with care or any of that type of shit so right. this girl in this situation just doesn't have anything to do with people not giving a fuck about us yeah and it's really it is really disheartening and sad that people would behave mm-hmm. the way they have to you know, a 16 year old kid for making a horrible decision, a horrible mistake, rather than just going back to whatever the black ass fuck that your ass was doing and being thankful that these parents know where the fuck their daughter is. She didn't think that shit through because she's 16 years old. Her brain's not done developing. They make terrible decisions (laughs) all the time. Period. They do that. (laughs) One of the things in this, in this letter that I sort of skipped over, Uh but that was what she was essentially saying in one of those paragraphs. She could very well be like many, if not most 16 year olds and just be in a place mentally where it's just you don't see what your life really is Mm -hmm. and hopefully if you are given you know the opportunity by god to live a full life you will soon get to a point where you're like damn that shit was stupid you think this girl won't hit 23 (laughs) if not right the the fuck now right and be like damn what the fuck was i thinking about right 
<sighs> okay, well, thank you, E, for that email. I think this is actually going to wrap up the question part of this episode. Damn. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with one very special guest. So listen, guys, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. I've been running my mouth about it for a while now. Black representation in media is incredibly important, and I feel like it's in kind of a precarious situation at the moment. So amplifying and enjoying as many of these stories as possible is pretty important. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are distinct distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. You can get things from Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center on Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us listen now to black stories black truths from npr wherever you get podcasts okay so we're back and we're going to be wrapping up the show with a very special interview that we did a few days ago with uh one uh i don't even know (laughs) how to set this up talented Mm -hmm. black that's right um Good smelling, apparently. Incredibly good smelling. I didn't smell, but that's great to hear. Um, Mm -hmm. Fine as hell. Yes. Immaculate teeth and skin. Producer (laughs) extraordinaire. So, Michael B. Jordan joined the show um, to talk about a new film that he's doing. Yes. Called Just Mercy, out on December 25th with Jamie Foxx, Brie Larson, Mm -hmm. some other talented folks. So, we got to talk to him about that here in a very fancy hotel room in Columbus (laughs) Circle. So yeah, um, join the movie us. looks really good. It does look really it looks good. Based off, it's not look. It doesn't look based off a true story. It is yeah based off a true story. So Brian Stevenson mm-hmm. and um, him helping to yeah fix another yet another mm-hmm. <laughs> case of a wrongfully yes. incarcerated black man. So powerful stuff. Go check it out and listen to this interview. We got to talk to him about it. Yeah, it's pretty spoiler free, so no worries. Yeah, no spoilers. So, go ahead. Check it out and uh, thanks for listening to the show. How you doing? Good. Good. How are you? I'm trying to be present. I'm here, (laughs) I I promise. I'm sure you have a lot going on. (laughs) It's insane. It's really not fair, actually. (laughs) It's really not fair, but what's up? Yeah, we're good. Thank you for uh, being on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm um, very excited about this movie. I can't wait for you guys. You saw it, right? No. Oh, okay. I missed the screening. Okay. Yeah, I okay. The okay. I'm but very excited. I saw the release date mm-hmm. and I have a classic tradition with one of my best friends in Miami of going to the movies with her family. Okay. On Christmas. Okay. And we almost nice. always go see whatever looks good in black. So I know already Y'all they're going to be yeah. like, we're going to see Just Mercy. You coming? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. So, um, yeah, I got to. Yeah, thank you for for allowing us to do this with you. Um, just for the people who are going to be listening to this, um, you are doing this movie, Just Mercy, mm-hmm. uh, which is based on uh, the autobiography of Brian Stevenson. And uh, it sort of revolves around uh, the case of Walter McMillan, who was wrongfully accused of murdering a white woman. So can you like give us sort of a, a brief breakdown of 
of what the film is about. And then also like, I know that you produced this with their company, mm-hmm. Outlier Society. So like, what was that process about? Why was it important you to tell this story and so on? Uh, the movie is about, um, you know, Brian Stevenson on his journey uh, and how he, uh, his path um, of being a lawyer, being a defense attorney, you know, um, led him to uh, death row inmates. And ultimately the case of Walter McMillan, uh, whose case was egregiously uh, false. I mean, it, it was, uh, it, w- it was um, clearly uh, corrupt yeah. things that were going on. And uh, he, he, uh, you know, I think he had a very hopeful spirit and kind of, you know, cavalier spirit of wanting to go down there and fix things, you know, down in the South. And he, I think he ran into um, the harsh reality that it wasn't going to be as easy or as simple as it, um, as it seemed on paper, mm-hmm. you know, um, getting a chance to meet Walter McMillan, you know, one of the, they say one of the worst things you could do with somebody on death row is give them hope. Mm-hmm. And um, wow. because you know, at any moment, mm-hmm. you know, their you know name, you know, a number could be called, and right. and and uh, ultimately, um, you know, be executed. So Brian Stevenson's approach was was wildly different, which was to get close to every client, which was to you know to to be hopeful and optimistic uh, of of a change. Um, and uh, the movie takes place over the course of several years. Um, and trying to prove Walter McMillan's innocence, and I uh, played by the you know phenomenal actor Jamie Fox, mm-hmm. and uh, at the end of the film, uh, you know he does get exonerated and and released from from death row. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but why was it important to my production company? I think uh, you know uh, I've always for for well for a really long time I wanted to start my own production company to. Uh, you know, take control of my own creative destiny to start telling stories, to give opportunities to people, to put mm-hmm. productions together that was a reflection of the world that I actually lived in, you know? Right. Um, and thank, thankfully, Warner Brothers uh, um, really ran towards the idea of my inclusion writer that I heard from Francis McDormand a few right. years ago at the right. Oscars, um, and they adopted that policy. And, uh, you know, this is the first movie under that umbrella, and Warner's so... You know, very much so. Even Warner Warner Media uh, and all of their companies under their umbrella now um, use uh, the inclusion you know, writer uh, to to hire for all their companies. So it's a step in the right direction. I feel like them setting the precedence across the board for other studios and other production mm-hmm. companies to start to follow suit. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest studio in the world? You know, says that, you know that's you know what, the way they're going to operate. Hopefully, others will will follow. So right. we'll see. I actually heard about uh, Brian Stevenson for the first time a few years ago on a mm-hmm. podcast called Criminal, okay. where they were talking about this book. And also at the very top of the episode, I'll never forget this. The host said, listening to this story will change the way you feel about the death penalty. Like it will change the way you yeah. see the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. And at first I thought, no way. You know, there are some people who deserve the death penalty no matter what. But after I listened to that episode and learned more about Brian Stevenson and his work, I was like, okay, no, you know what? I totally changed my mind. We need to have a much more fair and humane system, this sort of thing. So I was just immediately taken by his brilliance, his empathy, the fact that he graduated from Harvard Law and was like, I'm not going to take some big fancy job. I'm going to go down to Alabama, you know, yep. and help people who need it. And you all had the opportunity to have um, Brian be right there consulting with you yeah. on the film, you know, everything from from um, 
design mm-hmm. and wardrobe. And I know you also said that like you even came to him for like tips on how he would approach the bench, yeah, like, how he yeah, would say yeah, certain yeah, things. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit more about how helpful it was for you all to have so many of the people from that time and in the story involved with the production? Oh, I think it was, um, you know, it was amazing. I mean, it was a huge resource for us to be able to call or text Brian, um, you know, when I needed help. You know, or I felt lost or I was curious about something. Um, you know, he was he was a huge resource. Um then also he would, you know, be on the first plane back to fighting cases in the Supreme Court. Like he <laughs> he was so busy, but he he allowed himself to be available because he knew how important the story was and he he knew how we wanted to get it right. You know, right. We, we wanted to to do to do him justice and really make sure his story was told the right way. So um yeah, as much as I could, you know, wanted to learn from him, be around him, be a sponge, you know, uh uh and really pick up as many of his mannerisms and, and, you know, how he thought about things, his mental strategy, you know, how can I make some acting choices that, that can reflect that so people can really see his process and how he approached things. So it was a, it was a huge benefit to have Brian around and, and have him available to us. Yeah. Seems like it. What, uh, what was it like working with Jamie Foxx? And so I saw it was like the first time that y'all worked together. Mm-hmm. But, Which blew my mind. I was like, what? Yeah, I was mm-hmm. like looking like surely they've done something but, together before. But yeah. I did see on Fallon that he said that y'all have known each other for a while. Exactly. So what was like the experience to finally get to perform together? Not just perform together, but perform with such like depth and, and emotional character in relation to people that actually exist. Right. It was, uh, it was incredible. Like I've known him for, you know, since I was a teenager, you know, um and and you know he's always been a big brother always mentored me gave me gave me advice you know he's been through you know everything in hollywood so for him he, he just wanted to not see me make as many mistakes you know he wanted Got me it. to kind of like you know mm-hmm. avoid that landmine you know don't do this don't do that and kind of <laughs> you know make sure you take time for yourself and you know take care of you know your, your mind and your heart you know and your spirit and get all you know just, just words of encouragement you know um it's this business is um can be vicious you know and and, right. and that journey is is um it's tough so he for that alone i love him outside of work but then also you know, in this town, we're always like, yeah, we're going to work together one day. Like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. one day, you know, we're going to do that. And, and sometimes it never comes, you know, to, to mm-hmm. fruition. But, you know, thankfully the stars aligned on this. It's such an important project. And it's awesome. It's like working with one, like family, you know, and, and like, or one of your closest friends, like you guys can say harsh things to one another or like joke mm-hmm. around. You can push the boundaries because you know, there's no love lost. You know, it's right. coming from a great right. place. So when it comes to the work, we're in the middle of a scene we can try things we can we there there's more um i don't know the space we have to operate you know it's uh it's very comfortable so we can uh we could take risk and and uh and push the envelope a little envelope a little bit Mm -hmm. so it was um it was a good time you know you um you briefly just mentioned like um being advised like take care of yourself emotionally Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and i'm thinking about like you've portrayed black characters that are real and not only real, but have experienced really tragic, traumatic things like that before. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you like, how do you handle the emotional impact that can have? Cause I'm actually currently very fascinated with the mind of an actor and what you kind of have to, cause you essentially have to be another person 
for whatever your allotted time is in that day and then be you again afterwards. Do all of this research into experiences and cultures and stuff. So, like, what do you have to do, if anything, to sort of you know, come back to a, a sense of peace and, and self and remove yourself a bit from, um, I think, I think, I think it's a, I think it's a process. I think, uh, as I've gotten older, the, the, the depth that I go into characters have grown, you know, I think when I was younger, obviously you're still trying to figure it out or like, you know, you're, you know, you, you know, you're getting by with certain things or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. And as you care, as you grow, mm-hmm. you know, you involve, you, you, uh, you know, you, you go, you know, further and further into somebody or a character, um, and the process becomes more important to you. I think, um, yeah, sometimes it weighs on you. It kind of lingers, you know, for a while, uh, depending on the role yeah. and, what, and what you're, what you're going through. Uh, Fruitvale Station, I just wanted to say really quickly, that like really fucked me up even <laughs> watching it. Yeah. So I can only imagine how you like left set every day and was like, I'm going to take off this. Being that person. And go back yeah, yeah. to me. Yeah. It, it's tough because I didn't really, you know, I, I try to stay in it, not in the sense of like method acting and like, you know, 24 seven, but mm-hmm. you kind of stay into that place, that spirit, that essence until like the job is done. You know, I yeah. like to. Anyway. Gotcha. So even me, I got to like take off all this. this is from a movie. I'm still shooting, you know, um, I got to go actually shoot when I leave you guys right now. I'm back into DC, uh, another character, but usually, you know, a haircut, you know what I'm saying? Like whatever I look like during for the last three months, I, I try to like get a clean slate and take mm-hmm. that off me. Yeah. Uh, try to go away somewhere, you know, yeah. <laughs> And just Fair like enough. just be by myself, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been playing characters as of late that are, you know, that are pretty complex and complicated, you know, outside of like the Creed, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Which is you know, Adonis is uh as close to normal, you know, or just kind of like, films, you know, I appreciate that. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, you know, he's still but that that's that's a, a, a kind of a a dissection on you know, fathers and sons, mm-hmm. you know, um, and generations and, and abandonment and, yeah. um, sense of identity, you know, something that, I, that we, that me and Ryan kind of started and wanted to kind of like, you know, d- you know, dive into and Stephen Cable Jr. followed it up with a, with a, with a, with a um, excellent sequel. Uh, and yeah, so I think, I think, uh, everybody has their own process. I think mine is, is something one that I've been, Figuring out as I go, as I went along, you know, uh, therapy definitely being one of them, you know, Amen. Think, uh, Amen. that's something that, you know, a lot of people, you know, frown at or whatever the case is. But uh, I think, you know, especially within our culture, you know, yeah. you know black men, you know, don't go to therapy. <laughs> right. you, know, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, but in our, in our culture, like we go to church, you know, we go to church right. and, you know, totally. pray, and, but that's, that's an amazing thing also. That's definitely a necessary, necessary thing, um, you know, to, to pray and be spiritual and all that good stuff. But but sometimes it's good just to sit down and talk to somebody, man, and like yeah. and unpack, you know, yeah. and unpack some stuff. So um, I'm definitely a you know advocate for that, and um, yeah, you know, do things that you enjoy doing, you know, you know that your character may might not do, you know, right. do things that just generally make you happy. Be selfish. I think those are some of the things that I try to do to unwind and kind of like get out of a character that I've kind of been living in for a few months. Yeah. Right. So uh, your other co-star in this movie, Brie Larson, yep. plays a woman named Eva who mm-hmm. is not a lawyer, but is sort of like a, an advocate for people who are dealing with the legal system. Mm-hmm. And she's lost, you know, lots of friends and other, you know, fellow whites <laughs> in Alabama mm-hmm. on, because she is committed to doing this work. But what I found so interesting um, is that, first of all, this Eva actually did take place then as well. This is a, she's also based on a real character, mm-hmm. just like everyone else. 
and that um, it's very clear both with Eva, the actual person and with the movie that she is not here to be like the white savior. She's not no. coming in on her white lady horse and like riding all the wrongs, you know, and, and it's really all about her at the end. It's more like this is my role and I'm just here to help and I'm not really tallying up, you know, the wins or whatever. I'm just trying to help as many people as I can. Can you talk a little bit about working with Brie and just everybody being on the same page about what the movie was supposed to say? Yeah, Brie's, Brie's awesome. She's an amazing person, uh, amazing actress, uh, you know, activist in her own right. She's uh, she's all about justice. She's all about equality. Um, she's not somebody who pretends that uh, she's not, you know, what she is, you know, a person, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, you know, she's, she's white and, and and owns that white privilege and she understands that but she also uses that for the benefit of people who don't have that yes. you know and she's an amazing person she'll be the first one to admit what she doesn't know um and but but she's there to, to listen and to open herself up to learn and um she doesn't pretend to be a part of the struggle she doesn't pretend to be anything like that um and that's what we love about her so mm-hmm. much um you know, so to have her a part of this project was extremely um, important. Uh, you know, she was an amazing scene partner um, to really help bring out, you know, um, the essence of, you know, Eva and, and, and also Brian as well, because they were really close friends. Right. Um, and uh, she worked for Brian, you know, helped execute Brian's vision. Uh, and what I, what I really, what I really, you know, love about this movie is that you know it's a black man saving another black man. Yes. You know, and that's an imagery that we don't see often. That's you beautiful. Know? Um, I think there is a um, so a certain stigma that comes around, you know, our culture that you know black on black violence or black, you know, you know, when we gonna stop killing each other? Right. Mm-hmm. The, st- the statistics behind that are that is false. Right. Yeah. That is that is that is a narrative that 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 is bullshit yeah. you know so you know to, to have the imagery of a black man save another black man that, that we're, we can't ask for help for anybody we have to save ourselves we have the ability to save ourselves you know we just have to you know start to um, you know change the way we think and the way we move excuse me so um, yeah Mm-hmm. That makes me think about how Brian himself in law school went and visited a man on death row like mm-hmm. it was part of this program or something. He was allowed to participate and he realized like me and this brother are the same age yep. and had just a few things gone differently. Could this could right. so easily be me yeah. Yeah. and taking that and turning it into a life of you know, fighting for mm-hmm. us, you know, it's us who are living at the intersection of race and class, you know, it's, it's poor people who have to deal with so much bullshit mm-hmm. with the criminal justice system. So the story itself is just really incredible. I'm so excited to see how y'all have made dope. it come to life on the big screen. Dope, dope. I did have one more small little fun question for you. Mm-hmm. I know back when y'all were doing um, Black Panther, you know, small little movie you guys did a few years just ago, a little thing, a little thing. <laughs> you had lost a bet with Lupita Nyong'o and oh, she yeah. she had you doing the push-up thing uh-huh. and I remember some uh, screening I went to you all were there and she made you do it right there on yeah, stage yeah. <laughs> does she still have the push-up no, power over she, you? no she don't she lost that a long time <laughs> technically it would be technical she didn't have it at that moment either <laughs> but it's been a good sport I just yeah yeah, yeah. I, just, I wanted anyway. to get away yeah cause she was still learning how to play the game and like everyone was like you owe me a push-up and I was like that's not how it works but Okay. Okay. All right. It's fun, but um, no, she's a okay. she's super competitive, and uh, I believe she, that you know when you're on tour and you, you know you're going through all these press events, you find ways to you know to interact and have fun and keep things light, you know, because right. we're we're on this uh, this crazy uh you know tour or whatever. But yeah, she, it was a. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna get her back. I thought it was like a lifelong push up thing. I no, said, oh, she got him, bull. They 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 expire in a week, you know, right. and, and, and 
So you have a week to kind of, you know, to get them off there. That gave me they, the stretch of promotion for this film. Right. Yeah. I feel like I saw a lot of those. Yeah, no, 1,000%. Yeah. Like, she was just like, push up. I'm like, doesn't work like that. But okay, whatever. Um, and yeah, they're on call push ups. So I could like literally, she during that week, she could have called me at like 3 o'clock in the morning and like wake me up and be like, you're getting a push up. And I would have to get up and give her a push up. So All that's, right. uh, yeah, you know, it just keeps us. I love that she was okay. like, yeah, your week is cute. I'm actually just going to keep that. Yeah, pretty, pretty and we're much. We're just going to keep it going. Through the whole promo, pretty too, so. much. I'm gonna get it back though. We're gonna we're gonna get another bet going. So, yeah, we'll um, do you ever deal with imposter syndrome? What's that? It's like a situation uh, for I. I feel like it's very common in, in creatives and mm-hmm. artists and stuff where you are sort of in a situation that many people would deem to be a blessing and maybe you feel as though like you don't deserve, you don't deserve it. it. Yeah. I, like, am I really good enough for this? Yeah, can am I, I ready for this? Especially being an actor. Like, it's it's not uncommon or unheard yeah. of for a person to book a role and then, no, someone's like, you know what, actually? But maybe, maybe when, not. you know, when your movies have smashed the box office like yours have, you're like, I'm not really stressed out about But that's the anymore. thing. Some <laughs> people who are like incredibly credited performers and mm-hmm. stuff like that still struggle with sometimes feeling like can I do this did they pick the right person am I capable right I don't I don't I never I never had that I like phrase like that in the sense of like I'm not the right person for the role or they should have got somebody else it never felt like that I think it's it's always come from a place of like why am I getting all these blessings yeah. yeah, you know, I think I think I've at a time before I really start to own my path and kind of like my like my success and things. It's like that's why people are scared of success. You know what I'm saying? I think there's like there's a fear of success. They stop your you stop your own self mm-hmm. from being Ooh. as successful as you could be. You know, yeah, what I mean? yeah. like self sabotaging yes. almost. You know, Absolutely. in certain ways. But I think there's a there's a thing of like survivor's remorse. That's real. That's like you know, damn out of my hood, out of my neighborhood, out of my group of friends, right. or whatever it was, you know, why me? Why am I the mm-hmm. one that's getting all this going on? Yeah. Like, you know, and like, it could have been them, it could have been this person. And I think that's uh, something that I might have gone through for, for a spell of a time. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's a, a ownership thing. I think that's a confidence thing. I think that's a, I think, I think that stems from wanting the best for others. Right. For you know, I, you know what I'm saying. I think, I think if you really want uh, the best for other people, sometimes your selflessness, you start to look at yourself like, man, I, I would, I want them to have those blessings. I want mm-hmm. them to have that. I want that. So you might go through that little kind of like in your head a little bit, but but um, well, that's sort of what you're doing with having a production company. That's a production exact, company. Yeah, that was own. a huge thing to me yeah. to make sure I had that to be able to you know because in Hollywood you know when it comes when it comes to us it's like you know there's the one role will come out mm-hmm. and everybody go out yeah. for this one role that's like not a stereotypical situation it's the one role that everybody so it starts a competition over time and then right. people start looking at oh he got that role again and now oh I want that role and mm-hmm. it's like a it, it's like you know it's not enough food for everybody to eat you know what I'm saying but like you know everybody eat B you know what I'm saying so yeah. it's one of those things where like you know you create a, you know I wanted to create more material I wanted to give more opportunities to people so you know um, because there's, there's space there's room for everybody you know um, so all right one more question uh, okay they just tell us to wrap it up so. oh okay uh, really quick you've uh, done film television 
voice acting, mm-hmm. video games, which I believe to be the most superior medium, but that's not the point. Oh, e-gaming is coming strong. Just just know it's going to be, oh, look, listen, it's going gonna, gonna to be the thing. Okay. It's going <laughs> to just say, just know. What's your favorite, like, of, of those to, to, to do, like, of the arts? Uh, the arts, I mean... Ooh, that's tough, man. I think I'm, I, I kind of go and depending on what mood I'm in, you know, I, I think I, I love the, the ability. I'm starting to like, I used to hate my voice. Like mm-hmm. I really didn't like, I hate hearing it. Even now I, I hate my, hearing it, you know, yeah, but I, I enjoy voice acting because it's a different muscle. It's a different type of like, you could be in there playing around and like, you know, animation. I love animation. So that, that's a cool thing that I, I love. Um, you know, you know, acting is obviously one thing. I haven't even started really getting into directing yet. So we'll see. We'll see how, if I get that bug, you know what I'm saying? That it should really start directing a lot. So I think it's a, you know, a nice little balance. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you guys. Thanks, thank Michael. Michael B. Jordan. We'll be back, y'all. Thank you. All right. That wraps up this week's episode of The Read. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Check us out at thisistheread.com. Our social media is at thisistheread. Uh, any other announcements for you, friends? Nope. Thank you guys for um, coming out to the uh, holiday party slash toy drive. Really, really appreciate it. And um, thanks for all of the gifts and things like that. Donations. Thanks again to Michael B. Jordan for being on the show this week. Go see Just Mercy. It comes out December 25th. And that is it for now. Also believe that this is our last recording recording of the year so thanks for a great 2019 Mm -hmm. see you in the new year for more queer and more weird and cussing (laughs) and dicks (laughs) all that and yeah have a safe holiday yeah be safe y'all bye it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.